Howdy, y'all. You've made it back to another episode of Basically Famous. We are so glad you're here. Be sure to like and subscribe to the podcast and follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Basically Famous Podcast. Now, here's your host, Tyler. Hey, friends, and welcome back to another episode of Basically Famous. We are so glad you've made your way here, and we are really excited today to be joined by Dr. Chandra Andrew. Dr. Andrew is uh, one of my greatest mentors and in, in, in college kind of took me under her wing and gave me lots of life advice. We also share a birthday, so we knew we were meant to be friends after we found out we had the same birthday. But Dr. Andrew, tell our listeners a little bit about yourself. Well, thank you for that great introduction, Tyler. You make it really easy because I like the people who, when I say challenge accepted, are like, okay, and they run with it. And that's exactly what you did. Um, so I guess a little bit about myself. I'm originally from the Pacific Northwest. I grew up in Oregon, Idaho, and Wyoming before moving to Texas. I'm a boy mom. I have a nine-year-old and a 13-year-old, and they're fun and challenging all at the same time. Um I joked in class the other day that I now understand why some animals eat their young after some of the 13 year olds antics. And like, I was like, oh, I shouldn't have said that, but it happens. Um, fun fact, I'm now the crazy chicken lady with no chickens because I had to make the adult decision that my son's dog kept killing my chickens. And I was like, well, I would rather rehome my chickens than watch my child cry. Um, like I was telling Tyler earlier, we're learning all things crafting with shirts and sublimations. So we like to craft. Um, I say that collectively because we bring things to the office and it's like, oh, we've all learned how to crochet. We've learned how to cricket. We've learned how to make all this stuff. And so that's kind of what I do at work. And then in the off time, if I'm not helping my kids ride horses and get ready for some of the junior rodeo events that they do, um, I help coordinate an event called The Show, which is a fashion show in connection with the PRCA rodeo here in Stephenville, Texas. That's like the must attend event on a random Tuesday in September. And so myself and eight other women have organized this event and given away. So not only raised, but given away more than a half a million dollars to local charities to pay it forward. So. And it's a great cause. A great time always looks. I always say I'm going to put it on my calendar because I need to come to it. And you, need to. you work with a variety of charities through it. So you don't just support one cause, but you support multiple locally through the Erath County area. Yes. Like for a couple of years, we did backpack buddies. And so it's not only to get them started or help with their needs, but it's to help raise awareness. So we started with backpack buddies and then another charity took them over as their sole cause um, we did the canine unit in Stephenville and got him a state-of-the-art vest so that they can actually send the drug dog in and it's got cameras. And so if a drug dog hits on a house saying that there are drugs in the house, they don't need a search warrant. The police can go in. And so this vest enabled the dog to have cameras and then like they could see what was happening in the house. So that's been another one. There's rainbow room that gives to like if kids are taken away in the middle of the night from like a drug house or something, they're not even allowed to have their toothbrush or pajamas. And so they are taking away, taken away with literally nothing. And so we've given to them um, restoration advocates. We finally got a women's shelter here in our community, in our community. And that was one of them. 
And then last year with all the droughts and the massive amount of fires, we actually donated to the volunteer fire department. And we made sure that we did it to, there's an organization here in Erath County that like distributes it to all of the volunteer fire department. So it wasn't just one. And then there's always our charity, which this sounds really bad. This isn't a charity, but we help raise added money for the athletes who come and compete at our rodeo to really put on a show and draw some of the best athletes in pro rodeo. So we give a lot to the community. Um, we joked that we started when we first started, each committee member ponied up a hundred dollars and we prayed that a hundred people would show up and 400 of our best friends showed up the first year. And so now it's kind of like we, last year we sold out tickets in, I think they said eight minutes. And so it's like the must attend event and it's only get, get going to get better, bigger and better, excuse me. This year, um, if you're in Erath County or familiar with rodeo, the Lone Star Arena here in our county um, is no longer hosting public events. And so our Cowboys and even like the Charlton Rodeo team and a lot of other events that were held at the Lone Star had to find a new home. And so the city and the county were really nice and they donated, I think it's about 150 acres to the pro rodeo group. Um, but then like that's just the land. And then they got, they did get an arena donated and grandstands, but we're going to help build the facility because what they want to make it is really a community event. Like if you grew up anywhere else outside of Texas and even in Texas, there are some that are counties that do it more. We don't really have like a county fair in Erath County. And so that's really kind of what the group is envisioning is like, not only do you have the rodeo, but like maybe there's the carnival and there's all these other things. And then, you know, it could be used for other activities and events throughout the year. So those are kind of some of the things that we work together with a lot of people on in town to do. Well, and a lot of people, if you're not familiar with Stephenville, it really is the cowboy capital of the world. And it's the rodeo right before, you know, it's cut off for the NFR. And so everyone's coming in hopes to secure their top 15 spot. Um, and when they come, they're also, you know, eating at your local restaurants and using your hotel and shopping at your boutiques. And so it probably brings a ton of income into the community. So y'all are supporting the community in multiple ways. And I think that's really cool that y'all started just, you know, $100 in a prayer. And, and now, I mean, last year it was on the Cowboy Channel. So you really have something yeah. amazing going. Yeah. I mean, even the, so when the two committee members who brought it to the the rodeo board, the, it was like their husbands were on the board and they were, the husbands were like, oh, the little wifeys want to do something. That's cute. And now it's grown into it's It's a must attend event. Um, the times I have gotten to go out to the NFR, my it, because you and I share a birthday and it's like 10 days before Christmas, my husband's like, hey, let's take the easy way out. And he's like, just go shopping. And I've wandered around. I'm like, we have all of this in Stephenville. In fact, I saw this way before it ever went to Vegas. And so that's really, we're bringing roadie on the community together, but also showcasing the fashion that if you want to know what's going to happen in Vegas, just come to Stephenville because it's right there. And, you know, it's funny, like not only do these Cowboys come here to compete at the bubble rodeo, but a lot of them live here. Like if you watch the Cowboy channel, it's like everybody's coming to Erath County and Stephenville and it's really no big deal to watch walk by Sherry Servey or some of those other big name athletes. And my husband's always embarrassed because like I'll recognize them, but I'm more interested in, in the horses and the pedigrees and, 
He's like, oh my gosh. I'm like, I know, but they put their pants on one leg at a time too. It's fine. So we, we literally went to a team roping the other day and ended up like babysitting Chad Masters kids. Like they were just kind of running around. Someone needed to watch them. So it happened to be us. And I mean, yep. nicest guy, he was like, just kind of being a fan and his wife was roping and he was there supporting her, but you know, just to everyone else, casual day in Stephenville, because like you said, yep. so many pro rodeo athletes live in that area. Yeah. It's really no big deal. I mean, I, my goal, like at one point in my life, I was trying to learn to team rope. So I caught my thumb in the dally and then I was out, but I told my husband and he was so nice. He didn't like poo poo me at all. I was like, I just want to be able to enter the County roping. And he's like, Oh, okay. And the County roping means one of the people on the team have to live in the County. Well, in my level of ignorance, I didn't realize how many NFR guys lived in Erath County. So I went and watched it the year before I was like, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. And then we got home and I'm like, I think I need to have more realistic expectations. And he's like, yeah, I didn't want to tell you, but you're not going to make it there. I'm like, yeah, that's fine. Well, so you went to Texas A&M and you judged livestock. So talk about how you got into livestock judging and how that really has shaped the rest of your career. Yeah, it's, it's pretty funny. Like I will say God has a way of guiding us when we don't see the path. So like, to me, it's like running a race for a horse with blinders on, like we have this laser focus, we're going to do this. And we're not looking at any of the extra things going on. And God's, God's on the outside going, all right, I'm going to turn your head. <laughs> like, I'm going to be the reins and point you in this direction. So when we moved to central Oregon, I wanted to show livestock and because we lived on the Oregon coast and we didn't have animals. And so we moved to where I could have livestock and I showed pigs and sheep and chickens, like anything you could show, I tried to show. Um, and one of the things that we got to do in 4-H was livestock judging. And I just happened to be good at it. And then it combined not only being able to evaluate livestock with my super competitive nature. Like I am in, like always in competition with everybody at everything and nobody even knows. Like if it's walking, I'm going to try and walk faster or farther. It's just stupid things. I'm super competitive. And so it combined both of those. And then like, it just kind of grew. I kept judging an FFA and like my senior year, my, we had our County fair and I judged there, but I had to work later on. So I worked at McDonald's and if anybody has ever been in the service industry, more props to you, if you haven't be nice to those people, but I had to leave early to go to work. And so instead of going around with a group, I just went there and said, it's fine. Just go by yourself, judge the classes, give your reasons. And then, you know, you're good to go to work. So I did. And if you were in a group, you had your card highlighted by a group leader, but I wasn't in a group. I didn't know. So I got done, gave my reasons, didn't know the people who I was giving reasons to. It was an older gentleman and two college kids. And I didn't know it at the time, but it was a man named Bruce Mose, who was the livestock judging coach at um, Lynn Benton Community County or Community College in Albany, Oregon. And he had brought two of the judging team members there. And I was their guinea pig because I was like, I've got to get this done. So I leave, go back to work. And on Monday, my ag teacher sits me down and he's like, so do you want the good news or the bad news? And I was like, well, let's go with the bad news first. And he said, well, you won the contest. And I said, well, how is that bad news? And he's like, well, you won it by a lot. And I'm like, I'm still failing to see the bad news. And he said, well, you won the contest, but you didn't get your card marked. So it didn't count. And I was like, 
Oh, okay. Well, if that was the bad news, then what was the good news? And he said, he was like, well, the judging coordinator, the guy you gave reasons to was the judging coordinator and they want you to come to Lindbin and judge for them. And I'm like, oh, wow. And my mom, bless her heart, she always said livestock judging would not take me anywhere. So I went and judged for two years at, at junior college. And then again, when I say God has a way of guiding us, I gave reasons to Dr. Chris Skaggs when I was at Phoenix and like he contacted my coach and like, you know, they vet you out because you, they have to make sure that you're going to make it academically at A&M. And so we talked to my coach and my coach, Rick Clampy at the time, he was like, no, she's good. Fine. Great there. Um, they make fun of me now because he was like, just so you know, when she started giving reasons, she could give the whole set in one breath. And I'm like, you're welcome. I can power through. And so I, I went a long ways. And then um, I looked at A&M. I looked at several other colleges, but it just felt like home when I got on to A&M's campus. I just knew. And so when students come and talk to me about should they come to Tarleton, while it's a great place and I love Tarleton, again, more than anything, it's a feeling that you have to have. And so that's what I tell my students is that I knew as soon as I set foot on A&M's campus. And so I judged at A&M, was on the 99 national champion team. Um, I was like one of my former co former teammates, he he made a point to one of my students. He, he was like, just so you know, she marked cards every time. And I don't sell that because I'm like, I was a contributing member. I marked cards every time. I think there was one time I was not in the top 10, but it was about working together as a team and nothing felt so glorious as winning the national championship as a team. And so like one of the classes I do, we're putting on the Pursuit of Purple this year, which is a steer and heifer show coming up not this weekend, but April 22nd and 23rd. And the infamous Ryan Rash is coming for heifers. We had we tried to make it work both days, but he'll come both days next year. And I actually traveled quite a bit with him. And one of our other teammates, Dr. Brant Poe, is in the department. And so my mom always said livestock judging wouldn't take me anywhere, but it's taken me a lot of places. And so it taught me a lot of things. Well, you wrap up your time at A&M, like what's next? How do you decide you're going to pursue a PhD eventually and end up being a professor in ag communications? Great question. So I really think A&M does a great job of instilling a culture of education and of being a continual learner. And a lot of the way that looks is the expectation of getting your master's degree. And not only that, when I graduated, most of the job opportunities in animal science, because that was my undergrad, were either in pharmaceutical sales, and I did an internship with Bayer and Hypro and figured out real quick, I am not a salesperson. Like, mm -mm. like when I, <laughs> I was like, I've talked to people, but like, oh, I have to ask you for money? That's, that's not my thing. And so I, I knew that wasn't a good fit. And then also at the time, I, I thought swine nutrition sounded interesting. So I looked into a master's program at K-State in swine nutrition. But when they talked about all the chemistry and stuff I have to take, I was like, you know, I don't, I don't think that's really me. And so I looked at Oklahoma State and I loved Dr. Shelley Sitton and Dwayne Cartmel. And again, like Stillwater felt like home. And so when I got to Stillwater, I started my doctor, my master's program there with, um, I was actually their guinea pig for their master's in ag communications. So 
I guess I was a trailblazer. I don't know. Maybe it's just because I'm a little old now. But um, when I was finishing up, Dr. Cartmel told me, he said, you know, he really recommended you get three years of experience in the industry before you go and you start your PhD. And there, there are different mindsets on that. Um, I see the value in that. I also see the value in going straight through because if you go straight through, you don't realize that, hey, I can get paid above the poverty level and make it. Um, so I, I went the route of getting kind of a paycheck. I worked at Quarter Horse first and I say kind of a paycheck because starting salaries were not great. Um, but I worked for the Quarter Horse Association and then I went to work for the Paint Horse Association and it was when I was at the Paint Horse World that I met my husband and he was living in Stephenville, selling living quarter trailers. He's now a financial advisor for Edward Jones. So again, life happens, but he's how I ended up in Stephenville because I was like, well, you have the better job and I don't want to live in Fort Worth. More power to people who live in big cities. That's not me. Um, so I started working in Tarleton's marketing and communications office and the boss I had at the time, his name was Dr. Coy, Coy Floyd, and he was amazing. And he went back to the teaching side and he was like, hey, you really need to get your PhD. And so I was like, I, I'd always wanted to because I did want to teach. But then by then I was location bound because I had a child. I was married. Life happened. Um, and so fortunately, Tarleton's program enabled me to work full time and get my doctorate. I don't know that I'd re recommend having a kid and all the things in between during that time, but it is possible. So again, when you, when I encourage students to say challenge accepted, it's because I've done it too. And growth occurs where opportunity presents itself and hard work meets you at the same time. And if you're going to put in the effort, you're going to gain a lot in the process. I loved what you said. Growth occurs where opportunity presents itself. That's such a good mindset. I think we get so stuck in just like where we're at that we forget, you know, challenge and opportunity is where everything comes together. I, you know, this hated grad school, um, but attribute a lot of my success now in life to what I went through during grad school because it was an opportunity and I had to grow through lots of growing pains at the time. And and so that was just a fun, fun time in life. But you're married. You have two boys. You talked about it's a reward and a challenge. And they're all boy. They're into sports and rodeo and stock shows and everything. So what would you say is the biggest challenge you face with them and your biggest reward? So like I kept some notes because I'm like, do I embarrass them or not? Like I tell embarrassing stories in class on them. And my husband said he was going to listen to this podcast. But I'm like, you don't listen to any of them I send you. And he's like, oh, no, I'm going to listen to this one. So I don't want to embarrass my kids or my husband. But with that said, I would say the thing that is both the most rewarding and the most challenging is what happens with my kids in the future. And by that, I mean, if I do my job well as a mother, I am raising somebody who will go and provide for his wife and his kids, and I will no longer be first in his life. And like, that's really hard as a mom, because while my youngest still thinks I'm wonderful and he tells me he loves me all the time, and my oldest can be really mean to me. Um, that's part of the challenge is that I'm raising men and I, 
I'm raising men to be strong men, but also soft with their wives. And so I have to recognize, and as a woman who's in the dating world, you know, you don't want the mama's boy because it's like, just cut the apron strings because you don't want him running back to mom. So as a mom, that's extremely hard because I want to be there for them. But then I take, I guess, satisfaction in seeing like, I love sports and I especially love college sports, especially college football. And if they are ever captured on camera, who do those guys say hi to? It's their mama. And so like, I know I will never be replaced to a great extent, but I will have to take a back seat eventually. So that's both rewarding and a challenge. I love that so much. Oh, thank you. And I know you're, you like have totally embraced boy mom um, and you're all about it and um, you are a competitor. And so like, if your kids are going to do it, you want them to be good. And so we're not at all. Thanks. (laughs) That's a struggle. I'm like, okay, wait, I'm like 97% of winning occurs when no one's watching. And they're like, well, you're watching. I'm like, not me, not me, everybody else. I'm like, come on. So yes, I like, it's, it's a struggle because they're, even when we play games, mom, why won't you let me win? I'm like, I'm never going to let you win. That's not life. I I am raising, like we, we are raising men and life doesn't let you win. So you can have the victim mentality all you want, but life will still run you over whether you have a victim mentality or you are a survivor and will get back up every time. You don't have to win all your fights, but you have to fight all your fights. And so that's what I really try and tell them is this is a series of obstacles, but you're going to have to get through all of them. And congratulations, you have won 100% of your hardest days. And that's that's the beauty of it. You have beat the odds 100% of the time. So just get up again. And so, yes. Well, what would be your biggest advice for someone looking for a job or in their professional career, what advice would you give them? I would tell them that they need to interview the company as much as the company is interviewing them because the people you work with, you will spend almost as much or more time with than your family. And if you don't like the people you work with, if you don't like the values the company has, if you don't like what they represent, then it's kind of like that saying about you marry, if you marry for money, you will earn every penny. If you're only working for a paycheck, you will earn every penny of it and you will not enjoy it. And life is too short to work in an environment where it's just extremely toxic. But that's also where you need to know your worth is that I think I say it a lot with our college students when they're freshly graduating, that the first job you get is going to be your hardest. And then from there, you're building up experience, you're building up your network. And I tell our students, your network over time becomes your net worth because you can apply all day long online to jobs, but that's really not where most of the jobs are going to come from. It's going to be because your character or your integrity, your work ethic, somebody was like, hey, I talked to this person and I think they would be a great fit. And that's where most of our students students end up finding full-time jobs is because of a reference from somebody else saying, Hey, I know these people are hiring. So not only is it checking out the company, but, you know, making sure that you never close a door 
without allowing that window to be open because you may not really care for that person but that's why they say you know don't don't burn bridges because you don't know who you're going to need in the future you don't have to like everybody you should be nice and respectful to everybody and then you know go and take care of your aggression somehow else whether it's golfing or walking like I do a lot of walking because I'm like we got to do this healthily but you know there's a lot of things to be said with who you know and also you know I think a lot of times the fear is I'm not going to have a job in the agricultural industry. That's the beauty of our industry is that jobs available apply within. And that's where I go everywhere. Like we do not have enough quality people to fill the job. And then I guess the other thing I would say is to outwork your competition and don't expect things to be handed to you. And, you know, over time, the people who rise to the top are the people who never stop learning who outwork the, their coworkers, but also who can, who are really part of the team. And when they say, I'll do this, they really mean it. Like the worst thing you can do is have a teammate who says, I'll do it. And then they get to the last minute and they're like, eh, never mind. So that's a lot of answer to a short question. No, and I love US that. I mean, so I oversee interns and I think people would be amazed what a small world it is. Um, and I mean, the power of your phone and social media and I'm calling our mutual friends and I'm texting people and um, I really value some people's word. And so, yeah, you might not have looked great on paper, but if someone, you know, I know called and said great things about you, I'm more willing to sit down with you because you've proved to them you're a hard worker, you're a good person, and they think you would put in the time and effort with me. So that all comes back. And I totally agree with that. And something I tell people all the time, I'm fortunate to work in a place I love and do a job that fulfills me, but also is in the industry. And I've never heard anything bad about any of my coworkers. That's awesome. Like, you know, they have been hardworking, great people forever too. And I'm in an environment where people want my personal and professional success. And I know not everybody gets that. So if you could go back and give yourself any advice, what would it be and why? So I actually, when you sent me the questions, I was like, okay, if I had to, like, I couldn't narrow it down to one not, because I, I am not short-winded. So the first thing, so I came up with five. I'm like counting my, oh yeah, I came up with five. So this is if I were to talk to my younger self, like, and I'm picturing it kind of your demographic that. You're not married. You're in the dating realm. You're trying to figure out where am I going? You're building your career. You're building your reputation. You're building your network, all of those things. And one of the first things that came to mind was being authentic in a world full of filters. It's easy to fabricate an image, but by fabrication, you don't know what lie you're keeping up. And so by being authentic and being true to who you are, you never have to remember what lie you told. You never have to settle. You never have to compromise. You have your standards. You have your values. Because every time you compromise those just a little bit, you're already unhappy. And so that would be one thing I would say is being authentic so that when people meet you for the first time, they're not going, is that really who that was? Because you didn't look like your picture or anything else. Um, the second thing I would say is 
worry about your inner, inner critic and not the ones on the outside. So we worry so much about what other people think of us instead of realizing that they're worried about what other people are thinking about them. But we need to be kind to ourselves because that inner critic is the most ugly and hateful thing in the world. And sometimes it's really hard to silence that critic. And so we need to work on being kinder to ourselves and giving ourselves grace because while grace costs nothing, we seem to withhold it from ourselves. The other, so three would be to start investing early and understand how to build wealth and manage money. Cause I didn't do that. And so for me, I'm playing catch up. And that's one thing I wish I would have learned is how to manage money, understanding compounding interest, just starting early. My husband always says getting started and staying committed. Um, listen to their words. That's number four, but always watch their actions because believe what they show you through your, their actions but filter what they say because words are easy to lie with, but our actions tell you who we really are. And then the final thing I would say is prioritize self-care. And this is learning how to eat properly. I'm a sugar addict and I know that. And so I try not to have that because it's not healthy for me. Um, but learning how to fuel for nutrition versus like emotion or anything like that, um, healthy motion. A lot of times in our twenties, we're killing ourselves at the gym because we have this idea of what we need to look like, which is physically unattainable. And so, and we're doing it with over-exercising, but not eating right. And then, you know, the other thing, hydration again, in our twenties, our beverages of choice are sometimes highly suspect, um, but drinking lots of water. And then finally sleep, because we need more sleep than we probably get. Women need more sleep than men do. And then finally for self-care bubble baths, like life is always made better with a bubble bath. So yeah, those were, those were, it wasn't just one. It was the five things that I'm like, if I could tell myself these five things, I would be a much better person today. I think those are all so great. Anyone can use those. I took notes. I'm typing speaking <laughs> because I'm like, wow, this is all so good. And I can say as someone who kind of saw you um, like take your health back and like get serious about your nutrition and walking and water intake, um, it was inspiring to me because you are a mom, a professor, you do the show and you still made time for yourself. And so it was like to me, like all you have is yourself to worry about, girlfriend. You you could do that. If she could do that, you could do that. So you inspire me too to to stay active and and fuel my body well. And so thanks for always sharing your adventures on Facebook. You're welcome. I just, you know, for me, what I've learned is if as a mom, I am not healthy and a hundred percent, like the world would physically stop in my household if I could not get out of bed. Like I know it wouldn't physically stop, but like the best and worst word in the English language is mom, because you hear it 50 times a day. Um, but if you, if as moms, we don't take care of ourselves, you're not going to show up at your family for your family. You're not going to show up for work. You're not going to show up for your friends. And so it is so important. And sometimes that's the easiest thing to put on the back burner because we're always thinking, Oh, I can do it later. This is more important but why do we never come to importance? And it doesn't have to be 
massive changes. It could just be little things here and there. So I'm, I'm glad I've inspired you because you're, I've noticed your challenge and like, you're walking a lot more and I'm like, go Tyler. So again, always surround yourself with cheerleaders because there are enough critics in the world. If people aren't cheering you on when you're not in the room, those aren't your people. Yes. Well, if you had a billboard, what would be on it and why? Um, so my billboard would say never stop learning. Well, if I ever did a podcast, like one of the ideas I had was car conversations because my kids always ask me questions. And one of them one day was like, mom, if you had one superpower, what would it be? And I'm like, knowledge. And at first they were like, well, that's dumb. And I was like, ouch. And then they're like, I would want x-ray vision or like being able to turn invisible. And I'm like, well, if I had knowledge, I could learn how to do all of that. And I wouldn't need that superpower because I could do it all. And they're like, oh yeah, that's pretty cool. So for me, it's never stop learning because as soon as we stop learning, somebody's going to pass you by. And it's just the nature of the beast. Like I teach ag communications. Thankfully, I don't teach the technology piece because like I teach the writing stuff. I teach the event planning um, I'm really excited about a class this fall that we titled career readiness, but it's a deep dive into leadership and soft skills because students do not like no offense to them. They're missing a lot of the soft skills and just things that we take for granted because we've learned them over time. This will be an intentional class with it. But if we stop learning, we're going to get passed over for promotions and everything like that. Because once we say, no, I've learned enough. Like, I don't know what that mindset is, because if I could have been a professional student, I would have. And my husband jokes that this is the closest I could become as being a faculty member. I'm like, yes, that is true. I didn't realize that at the time until he said that. But like learning is such a gift because ultimately we can only contain so much information and I haven't received it all. And I don't think anybody has. And so I would always like, my billboard would say never stop learning, whatever it is. Like, I don't even care. Like if you don't like to read, listen to podcasts, listen to audible books, you know, listen to motivational speakers. If you love to read, get out of your genre that, you know, try something new, try something that challenges you because if it challenges you, it changes you. I can't remember. I think it was Aristotle was the, the sign of an intelligent mind has the ability to an, entertain an idea and choose whether to reject it or accept it. And so new information sh should cause you pain because your brain's going, what am I doing with this? However, part of the problem I see in our society is we're not willing to entertain different opinions right now. And that's because we're not learning. We're not learning about those other groups. We're not learning about their opinions because we are taking the self-righteous approach saying, I know it all. Well, we don't know it all. And we should always continue to learn. Again, long-winded answer for a short question. Thank you so much for spending some time with me today on the podcast and sharing your wisdom. I took notes and I rarely take notes during a podcast because I'm always trying to pay attention. So I can't wait to read back through my notes and everything you shared and for our listeners to hear this. Oh, good. Well, thank you for you're taking your time. I really appreciate it. I feel really special. I feel basically famous. So thank you. you. You are basically famous to me. I attribute so much of my growth and success in undergraduate to you and Dr. Poe. And I'll never forget there was times you closed your office door and you were like, just get it out. Tell me what you need to say or 
um, when I didn't know what I wanted to do with my life and y'all both were like, what do you think you want to do? And talk through options and put me in connection with people at all the universities I thought I might want to go to. And um, you are impacting the future of agriculture greater than you think. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. And you are doing that as well. I expect great things from you. Well, thank 